When something beyond reason happens, it turns skeptics into believers. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you, everyone. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And today, we're ably assisted once again, as we are each Saturday, by tall guy Nathan Miller. Nathan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Gary and Suzanne. And word on the street is toilet paper is going to be in limited supply again. So I hope you got your uh... stock. Uh, we did. You know who's cutting back from what rumor has it that Costco is not making their their paper supplies as available as you might expect because of what they experienced a year or so ago. Well, it's not because Costco. of necessarily what happened a year ago, but that they can't just get the toilet paper because there is no truckers Supply or availability chain. to deliver it to them. You know what? Tell that to my rear end. So that's <laughs> the matter of, you know, if the paper is short, the paper is short. And we're going to be uh, having to plan accordingly when I and forget about sales, you know, the idea, oh, you can get a great buy on this guy. Maybe you could at one time, but not now. And so if if it gets too bad, I'm going to tell you this right now. It's going to (laughs) stink. Hopefully not where we live. That's Nathan, Nathan. I tell you that guy, Nathan, you know. Yeah. I have got a bio today to read. I have to read the brief version, or we'd be here all hour extolling the man that we have talked to. How many times already? This is number 18. 18. In our 15 years on air, oh my goodness. he's been on, this is his 18th time. That's because he is one of our favorite A-list guests. I love Mark Anthony. He is a dear friend of ours. We don't see him in person nearly often enough, but we've shared some fine convivial meals and oh, the stories he has to tell. And also Rocky Trainer, his best friend, his promoter, the lady who makes things happen in his world, business-wise, is a good friend of ours as well. These are great people. And when Mark can join us on air, we just love it. So we'll be talking about the afterlife frequency. What's that you say? The afterlife frequency. That is a phrase that will be in the conversation, certainly in metaphysical circles, as a result of a wonderful book that is coming out. But about Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony is the psychic lawyer, also known as the psychic explorer, and the author of the bestsellers Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go. His next book, The Afterlife Frequency, is due to arrive, or as they say in the record and CD and CDs, who has CDs anymore? They remember when that album would come out, they'd say it's due to drop, right, on such and such day. It's due to arrive, and I think it's available for pre-order. We'll check that. But it's coming our way on October 12, just around the corner. The Afterlife Frequency. An Oxford-educated attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and even before the United States Supreme Court, Mark practiced criminal law and appears regularly on television as a legal analyst. He uses evidence now to validate proof of the afterlife. Not what you expect from your average attorney, but then Mark Anthony is no average attorney. Mark is featured regularly on TV, radio, and print media as a psychic medium and paranormal expert. And so I like to say for the umpteenth time, Mark Anthony joins us. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Suzanne. Wow, I guess 18 times is a charm. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on the show. It's it's such an honor to be here. 
a dozen and a half. I'll tell you, the honor was being able to read the uncorrected galley of your new book, The Afterlife Frequency. We, of course, wanted to be prepared and be one of your first interviews with the new book coming out. And what a fantastic book. I cannot recommend it more highly. It is wonderful. It is true. The, the subtitle is The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. This is a beautiful blending of science and metaphysics. People wonder when science and religion are going to come together. I think they come together in the afterlife frequency. And it is a really, a truly a brilliant bookmark. So congratulations. Thank you. I, coming from you, Suzanne, that means so much. I, I'm, I'm, wow, I'm, I'm very humbled and honored. Gary and I figured out when we completed the last page in the book that there was no way that we were going to be able to cover everything we wanted to cover in one interview. And I twisted your arm before we got on air and you said, yes, you would do a part two. So I will arrange that with your people to bring you on again as soon as possible so we can do all the rest of our questions because we have so many things we want to cover. One of the first things you need to know if you're going to practice law, and I've gotten this from any number of attorneys, Mark has it in his DNA, I'm quite sure. If you're going to be a lawyer, make sure that you avoid asking questions to which you do not already know the answer. <laughs> You got somebody on the stand, you're not there to chit chat there. And so, and I remember this from philosophy classes in college, that if you are going to make a statement grounded in logic, and if you are going to persuade people on the basis of your strong argument, there must be a warrant for the belief. Now, if I extrapolate from that phrase, warrant for the belief, I would like to know, Mark Anthony, what was the warrant for the belief that motivated you to do so much elegant research in order to answer another question like, what was the need for this particular book? There are plenty of books on the afterlife written by mediums, written about mediums. Why this book? Why at this point in the worldwide conversation about afterlife communication? Wow, just the answer to that question could take up the next half hour. But let me give you the short, short answer is, you know, my dad was, um, both my parents were mediums, and my dad was a Navy SEAL and a NASA engineer. My mother was a commercial illustrator. So it's not like, you know, they were going around, you know, um, wearing turbans and, and, and <laughs> doing readings and things. This was just something that they were, and it runs in my family. But growing up with, with my mother, very spiritual, philosophical, esoteric, and dad, Okay, he was, um, he worked on the Apollo programs to get humans to the moon and back. He worked on all sorts of, of uh, incredible um, uh, space systems. And from a very young age, he, he made me realize, Gary, that there is a scientific explanation for everything, whether or not our, our technology can explain it at this time. And so in my life work as a medium and as an attorney, as an attorney, uh, I had to work with physicists, forensics, biologists, uh, medical professionals, uh, law enforcement professionals, psychiatrists. And in my civil law practice, I specialized in head injury litigation. So I had to study the human brain. So this 
gave me a, a wide background in understanding physiology, science, physics, plus my lifelong interest in archaeology, philosophy, theology. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much interest, interested in, in just about anything. I, I just enjoy learning. And I started realizing that in the metaphysical world, mediumship is, it's like a salad bar. Mediumship is, is one choice. Then there's near-death experiences, then there's deathbed visions, then there's visitations, then there's out-of-body experiences, and they're all treated in as separate phenomenon. And I began to realize that they aren't separate phenomenon, that they're all forms of what I call interdimensional communication, which means we are in our world, the material world dimension, and all of those different phenomena are when the human spirit or our brainwave frequencies touches the higher frequency of the other side dimension, which I refer to as the afterlife frequency. And so that all of those are not only related, but also explainable based on sound scientific principles. So there's the short answer to your question. You know, I, I had this note for a little bit later in the interview, but I think now is the perfect time for you to give a good example of what you're talking about. We, we have talked with you and, and other mediums before about frequency in the sense that we're a little lower and slower here and the afterlife is much speedier so that they have to slow down, the medium has to speed up and then somewhere in the middle that interdimensional communication occurs. You give a great example of that when you talk about AM and FM radio frequencies, and I think that's a really good way to describe how those two frequencies exist separately, and yet one goes into the other when you're talking about the material world and the afterlife. So would you say a little bit about that? Absolutely. And you know, what better place than on Manson Mitchell, a radio show right. um, to explain <laughs> the analogy of AM versus FM radio. Um, we know that everything on the most basic level, and when I say everything, I mean all matter uh, and all energy in, in our, our universe is made of quanta. That's the smallest building block, which is electromagnetic energy. And, you know, uh, and you know, we go from molecules to atoms, okay, molecules are made of atoms, atoms are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons, and then electrons and protons are made of the smaller unit known as quanta, ergo the term quantum physics. Electrons are technically a, a particle of quanta. So everything on the subatomic level is energy. And we know from the, the laws of physics that everything vibrates. So everything, and that means uh, the desk that you're sitting at, the, the blood flowing through our veins, the air that we're breathing, the radio waves that the show is being transmitted on, the nuclear reactions in the sun, everything is at its most basic level, electromagnetic energy, and everything vibrates at a different frequency. Taking that in the broader scope, think of our world, planet Earth, the material world dimension as AM radio. It's an energy system. We're all energy and we all have a vibration. But AM is amplitude modulation, which means the frequency. Um, see, amplitude, think of a basketball. 
okay, how high the basketball bounces is the amplitude. How many times in a minute that you dribble it is the frequency. So amplitude has a lower frequency, and that's our world, whereas FM radio frequency modulation has a much more rapid frequency. And so we live in AM radio. The other side is, is at a much higher frequency, the afterlife frequency, and there are two systems that exist side by side. They're two parallel universes. And so when there is interdimensional communication, in other words, um, you have a visitation from a loved one in a spirit, or you have a near-death experience where you die and your consciousness you know, goes into this light and you encounter deceased loved ones, or you have contact through a medium, or you're present when someone is dying and that person begins to see spirits that of their loved ones that are on the other side and, and bystanders pick up on all that. So what's happening here is there's a frequency overlap. So spirit communication, interdimensional communication is when the frequency of, of our world increases, the frequency of the other side uh, slows down a bit and you get a frequency match. So it's, it's the overlap between AM and FM. I, I love that. We've often heard that um, mediums will say that you have to keep the vibration up. So how do you do that? If, you, if you're the average person who is wanting to connect with another dimension, how do you keep that vibration up? How do you get to, how do you get a faster vibration? Well, see, I'm of, of the firm belief that mediums are born not made. And I know that there's a lot of my colleagues who, who disagree with that. And they put out books, become a medium. And they have these classes, be your own medium. And I've seen so many people that attend these classes that are just in tears and frustrated because it just doesn't happen from, for them. And if, if that's the case, don't worry about it. And the, the reason that I say that, Suzanne and Gary, is because we're all good at something else. Some people are brilliant mathematicians. Others are incredible musicians. Some people are great athletes. I mean, you know, I can jump in a pool and swim around, but I'm not going to be winning gold medals in the Olympics anytime soon. And, and what that means is, even though we're not all mediums or psychics, everybody is capable of having a psychic and mediumistic uh, experience. Now, that involves being open to the experience. Certainly prayer and meditation are the, the building blocks and the most basic fundamentals for anyone who is uh, interested in expanding his or her own spirituality. But um, I was trying to figure out how do I explain to people who are not psychics and mediums how they can have a psychic or mediumistic experience, or at least know when the signs from spirits are around. Because just like radio waves, just like AM and FM radio waves, while we may not be aware of it, AM and FM radio waves are around us all the time. That's because they're a form of electromagnetic energy. So there's energy around us all the time, whether or not we're aware of it. And that's one of the things that I developed for this book um, was the raft technique. Um, and I know you talked about uh, that with me before we went on air. Yes. Yes, we, we do. We, we want to get to the specifics of that 
Is now yes. a good time, Gary, or do you have something else? Well, let me interject, and please hold that thought, Mark, because we're going to we're going to want one of your explications of your belief system. You explain it like no one else. Let me go ahead. I've got a Tampa Bay Lightning cap on here. I should take it off and put on my skeptics hat, just because. Just because. Let me, if I listen to what you just say, and I happen to be of a a skeptical nature, and I believe in what you're saying, I can see the reason behind it, maybe even the necessity there. But if I am not of that mindset, let's say I am Joe Skeptic, and Joe Skeptic says, well, of course, what you are describing, Mark, can be explained in, in much, much more pedestrian terms, according to the Western medical model, which conforms to observable reality. So when someone, for example, sees their family members, it might be their parents, it might be a deceased spouse or an old friend, what actually is occurring near the point of death is an hallucinatory aberration of the human brain that is actually going to occur, not observable to others, but actually an internal experience as symptomatic of a dying brain. And you can only expect that this would happen because entropy and chaos within the mind would attend the death of the body. And in that way, we don't need to resort to any supernatural (laughs) explanations for what actually is a fairly simple physical process upon death. You know that's one of the um, that's one of the the best weapons in the skeptics material uh, the skeptics arsenal, and see what you just described is is an outgrowth of what's known as Newtonian reductive materialism, and one of my heroes, the superstar of the Enlightenment, Sir Isaac Newton. All right, this guy he essentially invented physics, laws of gravity, laws of optics. Um, and when there was a plague, the plague of 1665, Newton, being a genius, knew to quarantine, <laughs> okay, social distance. And so he, in self-quarantine, he actually invented calculus, much to the chagrin of every high school and college student since then. But the thing is, Newton believed that, that only the observable world was real. That's why it's called Newtonian reductive materialism. But we also have to look at the time that Newton lived in. It was the 17th century, 1600s. He was limited by the technology of the day. So he believed that everything was made of molecules, which in turn were made of atoms. Boom, buck stop there. End of story. Now, here's the paradox. I call this the Newton paradox. He believed in God, but did not believe in a soul or an afterlife, and he spent more time studying the Bible, looking for hidden and encrypted messages in Scripture. Now, this is a guy who invented calculus, physics, the laws of gravity, the laws of motion, the laws of optics, and he spent more time reading the Bible. I mean, that, that's just, that's just mind-boggling there. So over the past four centuries, um, the world in the, the, the spiritual, the scientific community have been into two separate camps, Newtonian reductive materialism on one side and people of faith on the other. And it's only been with the advent of 20th century technology, and now, of course, we're in the 21st century, that we know that uh, reductive materialism really doesn't hold water. And with all due respect to Sir Isaac Newton, um, I believe that he, if he were alive today, he would certainly be on board with, with um, 
with the uh, quantum physicists and the theorists, simply because, you know, he would then realize that things go on the subatomic level far beyond atoms. So it comes down to this, Gary. In, in the brain, there's the pineal gland. And when people are dying, the pineal gland secretes a chemical known as dimethyltryptamine, DMT. And there are people who take synthetic versions of DMT in order to recreate a spiritual experience. One of the side effects of, a, of DMT secretion is the sense of floating, the sense of spirituality, um, and uh, the sense that, you know, you are somehow leaving your body. And the... And so a lot of people, a lot of the skeptics are saying, okay, there you go, DMT, nobody's having a near-death experience, nobody's having an out-of-body experience, it's simply a, a process of the dying brain. However, what DMT doesn't do, it does not give people the sense of going through a tunnel into the light, it does not give people the sense of encountering deceased loved ones, it does not include veridical perception. Case in point, uh, my friend and colleague, Dr. Kenneth Ring, one of the founders of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, did several studies of, of people who were blind since birth, yet had a near-death experience that involved visual accounts of what they saw. But one of my favorite things and um, there was a case in Japan where a woman was in the hospital and she died on the operating table and she was resuscitated and her parents were there, um, saw her when, when she was conscious. And she said, she started explaining her near-death experience. And she said, the weirdest thing was that I saw my sister, but that cannot be for she is alive. I saw her spirit. And her mother and father began to weep, and they said, well, you didn't know this, but she was killed in an accident, in a car accident last night. So DMT doesn't cause you to see the spirits of people, number one, and number two, spirits of people that you, you did not know were dead. And I, I could go on and on with this. So I understand where the, the uh, reductive materialists are coming from, but they're wrong. You know, Mark, I, I want to just jump right in here. I, I'm only planning on reading one paragraph. I may read more than that. But right now, I only have scheduled myself for one paragraph. And this seems like the right time to do it. On page 34, you write, however, just because something is outside of one's realm of expertise or understanding doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There is a logical and scientific basis for everything, whether or not our current level of science and technology can explain it. Until science can explain phenomena that people don't understand, these phenomena tend to be dismissed as unbelievable. Nonetheless, as astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson has observed, the beauty of science is you don't have to believe it for it to be true. The amazing aspect of science is that it isn't static. And through science, our understanding of creation expands daily. And, you know, I was thinking of the flat earth, you know, at one time, what was scientific is that we had a flat earth. And so as you're saying, even Newton, if he could look through one of our electron microscopes or some advanced piece of technology, 
he, his own thinking would change. I think a lot of the scientific world does change, is not static, and has changed their minds about a lot of things. And that's why we continue to hear that the scientific community, either overtly or covertly, is getting more on board with what is going on in the metaphysical world. Does that does that ring true for you? Absolutely. And it was the 19, late 1960s and the 1970s where this really started turning around. I believe it was in 1967, Dr. Ian Stevenson of the University of Virginia founded the Department of Perceptual Studies. And for the first time in history, we had a medical doctor, a scientist, applying the, the scientific method to observing reincarnation. And um, this book, I, I talk about reincarnation a little bit, but I don't really go into it. So I don't mind discussing this because I just gave a lecture on this. Um, I think it was last week at the uh, for the um, Spiritual Awakenings International. It was a, a Zoom conference where I presented a PowerPoint and my, my um, findings on reincarnation. And that that got all sudden now science and and spirituality are being studied simultaneously and the cool thing about dr stevenson is he kept religion out of it he went strictly for empirical data well then the 1970s roll along and a young prodigy um, an absolutely brilliant young man by the name of dr raymond moody started applying the scientific method to trying to understand these strange accounts of resurrections, which have been occurring for thousands of years where people died, and then they came back to life where they're resuscitated, and they started telling these stories of traveling into a light and encountering the divine power that we call God and seeing relatives who were dead. And he coined the term near-death experience. So since the 1970s onward, we've had four going on five decades where the scientific method is now being applied to these various forms of spiritual phenomenon. What's really fascinating is now quantum physicists are on board. We've got physicists from, from the U.S., the U.K., France, Holland, Germany, Russia, Japan, China, Australia, South Africa, just to name a few. And we're having quantum physicists saying that um, eternal life does not violate the laws of physics. And so all of this is, is beginning to expand. Now, certainly, you know, scientists have not yet invented the, you know, solo meter, okay, that they just, aha, there's the soul, but, but um, they're working on this, and I know this for a fact because um, Dr. Gary Schwartz, um, head of parapsychology, psychology, surgery, and physics at the University of Arizona, endorsed my book, The Afterlife Frequency, and he is working on the soul phone project, which is actual technology to communicate with spirits, and I've been in his lab and I've seen it. I'm, unfortunately, I am not at liberty to discuss it. I wish I could because it's really cool. But um, it's only a matter of time before we prove scientifically not only the existence of an afterlife in the soul, but dare I say, God. Let's go ahead and take our break. 
Somebody says, God, time to take a break so we can take all of that in. <laughs> Further epiphanies await. And I like the way he says that solo meter. I thought that was pretty cool, Suzanne. Uh, Mark, I have some British friends who are listening with bated breath to all of this right now. They would insist that we call it the solometer and that we, we observe it in the laboratory. <laughs> oh, I like that even better. This solometer in the laboratory. Totally good. <laughs> Utterly fascinating. <laughs> we will be back with more of Mark Anthony. We're getting into the heavy stuff here, but there are stories. There are things that people have experienced for which there are no easy explanations unless you were more facile than determined to get to the truth. But Mark Anthony doesn't fit well in that camp. He is trying to understand, and he passes what he learns on to us. Mark Anthony is our guest. More of Manson Mitchell on the other side of a quick break. You are tuned into Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Mark Anthony. Mark, you have written several extraordinary books and a third one on the way. Please let our listeners know about your other books, about the book that's coming out, your website, and anything else you would like to share so that our listeners can connect with you. Well, thank you, Suzanne. If people want to find out about my other books, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity, 
and also how to purchase and pre-order my new book, The Afterlife Frequency, um, I invite you to go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. Same as my book, Afterlife Frequency. Also, you can sign up for a telephone reading, which is just as accurate as an in-person reading. Please sign up for my newsletter to keep keep you up to date on uh, media appearances, like when I'll be back on Manson Mitchell next. I'll also, um, on on the newsletter, um, that will keep you up to date on my upcoming events, uh, which October 2nd, two, um, a week from today, week from today, Saturday, October 2nd at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain, and 7 p.m. Pacific. I will be conducting an evening of spirit communication. It's going to be an online event through uh, brightlive.com. And uh, tickets are available, and I understand they're, they're, they're going pretty quickly. So please visit uh, my website, afterlifefrequency.com. And uh, I'll be connecting random attendees with their loved ones in spirit. And, and this is possible on, on a Zoom event because of the fact that spirits being pure electromagnetic energy are capable of moving at the speed of light. And that's part of what we've been talking about. And what we're talking about technology, yeah. technology, we're talking about the frequency of the afterlife, the afterlife frequency. And uh, we're lucky we got an early copy of this book, a, a, a galley that we could read and thoroughly enjoy word for word, Mark, Suzanne, who likes to read to me. And I like to listen, particularly about this subject matter and anything written by your honorable self. So we worked our way starting uh, was more than two weeks ago, all the way through the book. I can't recommend it highly enough. It is extraordinary. And it represents a great deal of painstaking research on your part. So kudos, Mark Anthony. Thank you. And, and from that, let us derive a story. You got a little something, something for us, like a story that maybe you haven't broken before. You know, any broadcast journalist or talk show host wants the scoop. You have a scoop for us? I do. I do. In chapter one, it it starts out in Bangkok, Thailand, where I'm with my best friend, Billy. Okay. Well, Billy, I, it was the best friend I ever had. Uh, We met when uh, we were 11 years old. We went to junior high school, high school together, went to college together. After I went to college, uh, I went to law school and he went to Asia and he, he was a, he was a linguistics genius. He was teaching English to Japanese executives. He was living in Tokyo, but he could also speak Cantonese, Thai, Indonesian. Billy just picked up uh, languages. And uh, we had all these incredible adventures in, in Asia together. Cause I went over there and, and visited him. And one of the great honors of my life was performing his wedding ceremony. He met this inc- uh, beautiful, intelligent, amazing woman uh, that he married. Um, And because I was a notary public at the time, they asked me to perform the ceremony. I mean, gosh, I mean, if you're lucky, you get maybe one friend like this in your life. Well, the thing about Billy is that even though we'd both been raised in the Catholic faith, and certainly, um, you know, my mom and dad being mediums, we had a much broader uh, look at uh, the afterlife than just any one particular religion. But Billy was an atheist. 
So we had this ongoing discussion our entire lives about the existence of God, especially when we were in Asia. And I'm like, you know, gravitating to all the Buddhist temples and I'm talking to all the monks I can. And, you know, I'm doing my whole spiritual thing. And, and he's like, yeah, I don't really believe in this stuff. He goes, but I still don't get how you do the psychic thing. So we had this ongoing discussion, and I'll never forget, he said to me, Mark, I don't believe it because science can't prove it, and there's no technology that can communicate with spirits or prove their existence. And we, we both grew up in the surfing culture of East Coast Florida, and he always just called me dude or bro. It was like, dude, you know, like the phone would ring, I'd answer, and it'd Billy be like, dude, hey, bro. And I'll never forget one of the last things he ever said to me was at the Bangkok International Airport. He was headed to Singapore. I, was, I had to get back to the States. He hugged me and he goes, I love you, bro. So he married Yuki and it seemed like things were going really well, but he died from suicide. And, and that's a long and complex story, but he, he'd had, uh, had a lot of issues, a lot of difficulties going on in his life. And um, I'll never forget Yuki calling me and she was crying and she goes, Mark, the doctors want me to remove life support. They want me to kill him. She goes, I don't know what to do. And you're the only person in the United States that I can talk to. And so here I am. And it's like, I'm, I'm like, it's just devastated. I was at my law firm at the time and I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do anything you're not prepared to do because she's very Japanese. She's about honor. She's about, you know, being proper. She, she has this whole love of life. And, you know, looking back on that, I'm so glad I said that because he expired on his own three hours later. And I know that if she had ordered the life support terminated, she never, never would have been able to forgive herself. Yes. So about two years later, Rocky and I, I'm on tour and we're at the, the uh, Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. It's a big paranormal convention. I was one of the headline speakers and I'd just done, you know, my presentation and, and they had this big, uh, you know, uh, conference room, uh, convention, convention room, and there's all these tables set up and I'm autographing my books and there's all these paranormal investigators there, a lot of folks from TV and that all these devices set up, all of which scan the electromagnetic spectrum, they had K2 meters, EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, they had infrared scanners, they had, and they had the spirit box. So Rocky figured, all right, I'm, I'm fine. So she's walking around looking at all this stuff because she was interested. And she's walking by this one table. And there's this fairly well-known um, paranormal investigator. His name is Chris. She, and he was um, displaying uh, the spirit box, which supposedly picks up on the voices of spirits. And she's walking by this table. And all of a sudden, she hears, get Mark. And she stopped. She goes, she looked at this thing and the investigator looked at her and looked at this thing that, you know, he's selling. It goes, get Mark. And she, and he goes, Hey, do you think, do you think that means you're Mark, Mark Anthony? All of a sudden I hear Mark, Mark. And, and I look across the, the hall and, and there, I mean, you know, the conference room and they're waving to me, Mark, get over here right now. And I'm like, but I'm signing books. She goes, get here now. So I get up and I run over to to chris's table and then you know there's this crowd of people for me and i walk up and and i go before i could say anything i hear dude and i almost oh my god oh my god i stopped and, and i looked at that and i go oh my god and and rocky looks at me and tears are in her eyes she goes and and then i hear love you bro come out of it and it went to static and i go that 
that and Rocky goes that was Billy because she knew him too and I'm like oh my god and and you know I'm a medium I'm used to you know um, <laughs> connecting people with loved ones and 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 now it's happening to me and 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 Chris is like uh, he's writing all this down going this is highly unusual not only did it say get Mark but both of you identified the voice he goes this is highly unusual and 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 so you know my head was spinning and and then I, I, as, as I began to calm down and in the, the, the years after reflecting it, it dawned on me. He used technology to communicate with me. He was the one that always said, oh, there's no device. There's no technology that can communicate with spirits. He used science. And the reason that I'm bringing it up on this show, because when you start out, you ask me, well, what were some of the reasons that you wrote this book? Well, this is a big one, um, because uh, I, I pondered this for years, like, there has to be an explanation for all these different forms of spirit contact. And this ties into my theory of spiritual synchronicity. Yes, Billy reached out to me. Yes, he made contact. Yes, that was fantastic. But it meant more than that because spirits can see what we call the future. He knew, he knew me. Okay, we were, we were little kids when we met. He knew me and he knew that that would get the wheels turning and put me on the quest to be able to explain to people based on sound scientific principles how spirit communication is not only possible, but that we're eventually going to get to something even much more sophisticated than the spirit box, which lo and behold, led me to meeting Dr. Gary Schwartz, who's actually working on that very thing. All the hairs on my arms stood up when you told that story. She Mark. reached out in both her arms I and I could feel that. Wow. Is it horripilation? Uh, yes, horripilation. Unbelievable. And yet... Yeah. It's an experience that he actually had. Mark Anthony had that. That would have that would have floored story. me, Mark. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Oh well, you know, and, and it's one of those things that that I mean, a whole crowd of people saw this. And 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 the thing is, and I'm getting choked up now. You know, it's hard whenever whenever I talk about him because he's like my brother. You know, yeah, yeah. sure. But well, let me inject some scientific conversation here. <laughs> Not that I'm especially qualified to do so, but I'm curious. Gary Schwartz, a very esteemed man, and somebody who is brave because he's willing to go out on that skinny branch of metaphysics and mind and the science behind all of it, when a lot of people would consider him a crank or a self-promoter to even delve into this. But he takes this very, very seriously, as does Mark Anthony, and a lot of us who want to talk about it. I can tell you, Mark, that when I've gotten into conversations going back many years, once you get into that, that shadow side of human life, I don't mean shadow as in negative, but the things that we can't understand, because we live in, according to the allegory of the cave, a la Plato, there are yes. things <laughs> that we see at different levels of our own being and development. Has Gary Schwartz ever said anything to you or in your hearing about the supposed attempt on the part of Thomas Edison himself to create a machine for talking to the dead? Yes, and I believe that Gary has taken up where Thomas Edison left off. 
And Edison, you know, Edison's a, um, he's a fascinating character, obviously a genius, uh, kind of polarizing too, um, I, you know, because in, in some ways he was like Elon Musk. In other ways, he was like Henry Ford. You know, he just, he, um, an amazing inventor. And in the last years of his life, and I believe in the 1920s, he gave a number of interviews where he said that he believed that personality and consciousness survived beyond physical death, and that he believed he could create a device sensitive enough to detect and communicate with that. And so that was, uh, I believe you said that, Gary, the spirit phone is, is what this was referred to. That's what the media started calling it, the spirit phone. And unfortunately for, for us that Edison uh, passed uh, before he could, uh, you know, continue his work on it. But also Edison was limited to the technology, a lot of which he created, of the 1920s. And so Dr. Gary Schwartz is dealing with 21st century technology and much more sophisticated devices and like I said, I, I was in his lab and, and uh, I, you know, I had to sign an NDA, so I, I can't talk about what I saw, but OMG is what I saw. <laughs> so um, I, I firmly believe that the te technology is here. And the reason that I bring up the story about Billy, between Edison and between Dr. Schwartz, it's not like science has been static. That's where these EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, the spirit box um, all these other different devices, which all are used to scan for electromagnetic activity. One of the key signature theories of my book, and then one of the new terms, is the electromagnetic soul. And the reason that I came up with this is after years of research, it explains what we really are. Faith teaches us that our soul, our spirit, which is referred to in the realms of psychology and science as consciousness, okay, faith teaches us that our spirit pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and moves on after the body ceases to function. In other words, um, our consciousness survives our physical death. We know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics, energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And we know that the body has an electrical field and that the brain in particular has a rather sophisticated electromagnetic field. So I developed the term the electromagnetic soul to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. That can be altered, but not destroyed. Correct. And altered in that when we die, think of your brain as a drop of water. And when we die, that drop of water plunges into this eternal sea of consciousness, which I refer to as the collective consciousness. And so that's why my, my EMS, my electromagnetic soul theory, um, actually a number of scientists, including Dr. Schwartz, have already started using it. They refer to it as the EMS. And Gary was so cool. He called me up. He goes, that's what it is, Mark. He goes, 20 years ago, I was uh, kicking around this term, the electrodynamical mind, brain, body uh, system, blah, blah, blah. He goes, you summed it up in two words, electromagnetic soul. He goes, and the way you describe it, that's what it is. And other um, physicists and theorists like Shelley Joy and, um, oh, gosh, um, uh, John John. Gosh, I'm trying to think of his, 
Joe, uh, oh gosh, I, I'm trying to think of his name right now. But anyway, a number of quantum physicists um, believe that our our brain is is merely the host for our consciousness, that it does not create it. I, and I know this because from working with spirits, but now we have to define it like I, like I hopefully have it with the electromagnetic soul so that we can continue to analyze and study this. You know, in the short time we have left, I want to talk a, a little bit more about that collective consciousness. I remember going through uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion, and you have all of these individual ghosts, and you be careful you don't take one home with you, and they're riding on top of your car and all that kind of stuff. But when you talk about the collective consciousness, in this 3D material world, we all appear to be very individualized yes but you talk about the collective consciousness on the other side as not all individual looking kinds of consciousnesses because there are no bodies there and so um a couple of things uh i think it explains and you said um that how messages can apply to more than one person because what is exactly coming forward in a reading, an individual or like-minded individuals? Can you explain that collective consciousness a little bit more? Sure. Um, many times during spirit communication, particularly in group events, spirits know that I'm just a limited, finite human being. And our brains are essentially designed to handle one concept at a time, but spirits are not limited to that. So what they can do, let's say I'm doing a reading um, and then a group of spirits will come through and that group of spirits may have a commonality between them. It could be maybe how they died or it could be a physical characteristic or it could even be a name. And then the people that they're communicating to could also have a commonality between them. Um, about, um, I was doing an event uh, before COVID um, to fairly large, large rooms, probably about 150, 200 people. Um, and all of a sudden uh, I, get, I kept getting, all right, I'm getting men, 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 men. I'm getting men between like 25 and 65. And I keep hearing mesothelioma, mesothelioma. All right, six hands go up. Six people stand up. My brother died of mesothelioma. My father did all this. And then, okay, so this whole group of spirits came through that had died from mesothelioma. And then, um, so they came in as a collective and then they separated out. So the first person um, gave us, uh, the first spirit um, gave specific facts to their family, second spirit did third and so on and so forth. Also, what can happen is there could be a commonality between the people there. Well, certainly everybody there had lost someone from mesothelioma. So the commonality was them. Now, skeptics will say, oh, we just threw out the disease. Really? Okay. Uh, mesothelioma. It's one thing if you say, oh, I'm getting a man who died of a heart attack. Okay. Heart attacks and cancer, two top uh, reasons for people dying, but mesothelioma. And not just that, but once the collective came through, they would target um, individuals 
and then give specific facts about the spirit associated with that person who died, and then they would arc over to the next person. The other thing about collective consciousness communication is that many times during a reading, so let's say I'm doing a reading for you, Suzanne, and somebody comes through and starts giving me medical information about you, and you say, well, gosh, my Aunt Martha, um, she only had a a high school uh, education. She didn't know anything about the medical profession. Well, that's because as part of the collective consciousness, she's linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits. In other words, she's like part of this cosmic internet. And so uh, a spirit can access this vast, infinite database and start transmitting information far beyond the scope of anything that they knew in this life. And that's why I always tell people, and I think any legitimate medium does, that true messages from spirits, true messages from the collective consciousness are about love, healing, inner peace, and resolution. Because that is what the light, that is what the divine, that is what spirits are all about, is love, healing, resolution, inner peace. You know, when people go around and say, okay, spirits are inciting me to start an insurrection, fly planes into buildings, be a terrorist, and, you know, be a jerk in general, that has nothing to do with spirits or spirituality. That's merely their own ego, and they're seeking a moral justification, so they tack a semi-spiritual, you know, label on it. But true messages from spirits are always a higher vibration, love, healing, resolution, finding inner peace. I, I get that when you are in the other dimension, you really have access to more information from other consciousnesses that have experienced life here on earth so does that uh that does that speak to something like soul groups like the consciousnesses will kind of resonate on the other side with other people that have similar frequencies it's very very possible that's very very possible um I don't think it's limited to number, though. I mean, no, not, not at all. You, you have a soul group of so many number. That, no. I don't think that's true. Do you? Not at all. Uh, you know, I hear all these things about, oh, soul plan, soul contract, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, look, that's part of the reason I wrote this book. Let's get away from all this antiquated thinking. Yeah. We're dealing with infinity here. Our brain is designed only to handle and process finite concepts, finite information. And don't despair about that, because there's a reason that we're in this world, so that we can experience these finite occurrences and finite things. But in the infinite state, see, we're trying to judge the infinite by the finite. I love how Albert Einstein described it. He said, quantum physics is like a a four-year-old walking into a library, and the four-year-old knows that there's books there, knows that there's things in the books and knows that people wrote the books, but doesn't understand any of it. Okay, we're the four-year-old. Uh, the we're other the side, four-year-old. we're yeah, the four-year-old. I've... Yeah. <laughs> so, so trying to understand the infinite. No, we know it's there. We can do our best to to get glimpses and understand it. But when people start saying, "Well, there are soul groups," and this is this, now your Akashic records say that did it. It's like you know, let's stop turning the other side into a limited Newtonian reductionist materialistic version of our world. 
Thank you, Mark Anthony. His Part book, two coming up. The Afterlife Frequency coming out. Thanks, Mark. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Manson Mitchell. We'll be back next Friday. Have a great weekend and a great week ahead.